Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, October 13th, 2019 called, So What's Your Story? Given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I tell you stories all the time, right? I tell you stories about my life and my family and stuff. You know what's funny? In seminary, they commanded us never to do that. <laughs> really, my, my profs all said, don't you ever talk about yourself, right? Don't you ever do it, don't you ever. And it's funny because I go, golly, I don't know. I got some great stories. And it's, um, and at the end, right, we're hoping that we're pointing to Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that it? Um, and so you should know that al- almost all the stories that I tell you, there's a reason why I tell you that, right? There's a reason. I'm trying to illustrate a point or something that Jesus has said or a principle from Scripture. So I'm trying to give you some way to illustrate or, or support that idea. But then there are other stories that I just tell you just because I have a captive audience and I'm telling you <laughs> no matter what, right? So like if the Mets had made the playoffs, I would not have been able to contain that. I would have talked to you about the great victory of the New York Mets because there are so few for me to celebrate. But anyway, it would have been that. Or, you know, like, uh, or, or, you know, with my family. When my daughter got, was, got engaged and, and we had a wedding, I just couldn't get down. I don't think I had any illustration there, any point to make with you on that. I just had to tell it to you. When David bought a house, I told you, I didn't have any, there was no point to be made there other than woohoo, you know, I was pumped. At his victory and our empty basement. It's all good. (laughs) Those are great. So, you know, so there are some stories we tell with a purpose, but then there are some... David, I love you, brother. (laughs) You know, all right? And can he play bass and sing, right? I'm telling you. So I just love seeing him up here. It just warms my heart. But anyway, so many of the stories we tell, we used to illustrate, but some I just can't contain. That is the point of this week. That's really the point of this week. And again, I said at the beginning, being, right, who we are and being with Jesus, being fed by his gifts, forgiving, we who have been forgiven much, forgive much, serving, the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We have the joy of serving others. Giving, we talked about last week, having a generous heart, having a heart, that's a heart issue. And then now we have going. And I would really say, if you've read Zach's stuff, or if you've read ahead a little bit, it really is going and telling. They go together, going and telling. I'm afraid he thought, though, if I make this pillar telling, no one will buy the book. Because what's the words we associate with that? So, for example, right? Mission work or missionary In our culture, that that has a a, a different kind of connection than it does in other parts of the country. Um, Some positive, some not as positive. Um, Or what's another word? Evangelism. (laughs) Or witnessing. And so what my goal today, and I think if you you have the red letter book and are reading through it, you'll, you'll be blessed by it. It's neat. I love how Zach goes after it. He's done a nice job in all of these. Um, And so I, but, but this is about telling. Because if we use the words like mission, missionary, evangelism, and witnessing, those are the words that make Christians run into the night screaming. They just, you know, 
Because what's evoked in our mind when we do those things, right? Someone knocking on your door, someone coming by while you're in the garage wanting to talk to you about 144,000 saved people. Somebody, you know, I mean, or, or, or gosh, there's some missionary who even in a Christian church comes up and then makes you feel guilty because you haven't spent the last 30 years of your life in Togo. That's good. But, you know, am I right? Am I right so far? Maybe not completely. Or witnessing or evangelism. You think of some guy on late night cable TV hitting you up for dough. And if you do buy this special miracle water, you too will be blessed. Or witnessing. Witnessing not only in... Witnessing can come off as confrontational. Oh, I've got to argue with this person. And I've got to win my points. And if I win the points, then I will pound them into submission. Yeah, Jesus is all about that. And the, or, or witnessing even in a legal sense. Oh, gosh, I'm going to be called in. I've got to bear witness and it's under oath. And I've got to penalty of perjury so those words often do not resonate well and they certainly don't in many cases give us joy and oh boy I can hardly wait to do that but I am telling you this let me, let me give you an illustration <laughs> when I do marriage counseling it's fun the very first full session that I do with pre-marriage folks is I and you'll be stunned by this I do very little talking stunned and I say what's your story and it's really interesting because some of them, some folks are very shy or very private and I often will say to them I think you don't want a stranger doing your wedding I just like to know your story I'm, I'm really curious and I am I'm very interested I'd be I'd love to hear every one of your stories love it if we ever had opportunity it's great love it because I have yet to have fallen asleep in a single person story not once, not even close. And it's funny with those couples, even the shy couples or private couples, and it'll be like, well, where do you want me to start? Well, I don't know, start where you want. They'll go, well, I was born, you know, and, and off we go. And then I, I have about three, four, five questions I ask them. I'll say, well, um, how'd you guys meet? You know, how'd you fall in love? What do you love about each other? And then I ask the biggie, whoa, what's your spiritual journey? You know? And I'll tell you what, because they've been sharing with me for the last 45 minutes, they just keep cooking. And they'll tell me their spiritual journey too. When you ask people to tell their story, I think it's often a surprise because the people say, well, my, my story is so boring. And then an hour later, they're still talking. <laughs> Serious, I mean, it's, and it's not boring. I'm not kidding, it's not boring. I have yet to have a boring story told to me of a person's life because it's their life and their loves and their hurts and ups and downs. Why do you think Jesus tells stories all the time? And so rather than using the words like evangelism or witnessing or mission, what I want to do is say, what's your story? Because you know what? If it's his story, we got something to tell. If it's his story along with your story, then we got a story to tell indeed. And so what I really want to share with you on this fifth week of the, of the Red Letter Challenge is to, I want to diffuse any of the things that says, well, yeah, I get this, being and forgiving and serving and giving. I, I'm good with those, but I, you know, that's people's own lives and this is private and, you know, this and that. And I, I, that one I'm just not doing. And I want to go and say, well, would you just tell someone your story? 
I'm not telling you to argue with them or try to win an argument or would you just tell them your story? Because that's what Jesus is asking us to do. Tell the story. Tell his story through our eyes. So if you want to follow along and you want to take some, here's the first thing. In this verse, this single verse, Zach uses it this week. Pastor Zender uses it in the, and I made it point number one. Number one is this. Our testimony matters. Um, he tells a story, and I'll get the numbers wrong on this. Please forgive me. I'm, I'm going to fudge on these numbers. But they have been not uncommon. With the ongoing uh, advent of DNA evidence in courts, we have found uh, the, uh, any number of people who have been put in jail who were innocent, who actually were, in fact, not guilty of the crimes of which they were accused. And it's interesting, many, many cases are decided by circumstantial evidence, but when there's an eyewitness, and Zach talks about this in the book, when there's an eyewitness, it carries tremendous weight, just tremendous weight. In fact, even if many of the circumstantial evidence pieces do not point to it, or they cannot find any corroborating evidence, if there is the testimony of an eyewitness, it will often carry, carry the weight. And he tells the story of a man who was accused of sexual assault and rape, and in fact, his, his accuser was lying. But because of her testimony about that, he was in jail. He was like sentenced to 34 years or life in prison. And 20 years into it, a, a, a friend of the original accuser came up and said, she lied. And it's just not right. And he was exonerated. Now, please, I'm not making any statement about all men who are accused. Please understand me that I'm not saying that. And men, I'm going to say this. Get our act together, always, in how we respect and treat women, always. I don't care. Okay? Is that fair enough? But I'm just using this as an example because in this particular case, after 20 years, he was released from prison. But it's the weight of the testimony, of the eyewitness testimony, often even if there are not supporting facts. And I will tell you this, folks, today, you sit here, forgive me, I should be pointing, that's like accusatory, forgive me. You sit here because of eyewitness testimony. You sit here because somewhere along the way, your heart believed, as the Holy Spirit was teaching you, that the eyewitness testimony of those who saw Jesus Christ alive and teaching and risen from the dead, that eyewitness testimony spoke to your heart and you believed. We sit here today because of that. And so, I, and so point number one is this. I bet you that some of you have read this verse many times. It never hit me like this before. So the story is this. There's war in heaven. I'll tell you what. I, every once in a while, I get in discussion with people who I admire and respect dearly, and they don't like that sometimes I'm, a, I'm as aggressive as I am. And I say to them, some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth it. And never to be mean-spirited, but I'll tell you what, when some people are ready to stand in the way and lie and deceive and damage those and those, that, that which I love, there are some things worth, worth going to battle for. And it's true in the scriptures too. Put on the armor of God. So I don't mean that to be militant or mean-spirited or, or harmful in that way. I'm just telling you, there was war in heaven. And a third of the angels under the devil, under Satan, Satan means the accuser. That's what that means. It's a title. Hasatan in Hebrew, he's the accuser, he loves to accuse God's people, is cast out of heaven. I mean, they lose. 
he and his angels lose. And they're cast out of the heavens. That's another longer discussion. Don't think that it means that the devil was in glory in heaven with God. It's like in the sky, okay? Not on earth. He's cast down from those heavenly realms, and he is now dashed to the earth, where he still works mischief. But he's been defeated. And then it gives this fabulous testimony in Revelation chapter 12. And I got to read it. It's, it's, it's very moving. Forgive me. I should have had it marked. <clears throat> in Revelation chapter 12, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers, that's Satan, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That had never hit me that way before. We are only saved and we are saved by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Right? We are saved by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I mean, every time we ordain and install a pastor, you know what passage we use out of Romans? We use the passage that says, how will they hear it unless someone preaches to them? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's quoted out of Isaiah. But somebody's got to tell them. You know which is one of the most abused and misquoted uh, sayings, Christian sayings in all of human history? I did this wrong. I said Thomas Aquinas. Francis of Assisi is who it's attributed to. Francis of Assisi. And it's, it's this beautiful phrase. It says, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. That's a cop-out. I'm just telling you. It's both. Lots of people do nice things in this world. They ain't going to read it tattooed on your forehead. Uh, Francis of Assisi never meant don't tell people. But we use it as a cop-out. Well, I'll just do nice things. Because God forbid I should ever tell someone that Jesus loves them. You know, or loved me, or forgave me, or healed me. God forbid. And so uh, it's one of the most abused statements ever. And so please understand, Jesus tells us, go and tell. Go and say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Make disciples of all nations, teaching them, right, to obey. Uh, uh, everything I've commanded them, and so forth. And so the first thing is this, our testimony matters. So here's the thing. Okay, forgive me. I got to back up. Here are five things I want to tell you. Don't think about evangelism. Don't think about witnessing. Don't think about missions. Just think about telling your story. Because if telling the story is, in, is his story, it'll be blessed by these five things. And the first one is that your story will matter. I will tell you what, I see lives transformed by people simply telling their story. And they think their story has, is nothing. They think their story is insignificant. And in the midst of that story, you may say one thing that somebody says, my heart has been broken over that thing, and I see how you have been healed. And it transforms their life. I am not kidding. Those words just whacked me right between the eyeballs. Saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And so your, your testimony matters. 
It's eyewitness testimony. It matters. Second thing is this. So Black Friday's coming up sooner than later. There's Christmas songs being played in the stores. It's too soon. But anyway, but Black Friday's coming up. I'm looking forward to that. I, I know I'm a little sick, but I love it. Um, and you know what? You know who else loves it? My daughter. And so she's my Black Friday part buddy. She's my Black Friday buddy. And uh, this year, she is going to be immensely pregnant. <laughs> so I don't know what sucker in my family I can get to go with me. <laughs> Teresa ain't going. She's, she's like, yeah, no way. Maybe David will go. I'll bribe him with pancakes. So anyway... But it's a blast, it's a blast. Not because, to be honest, we don't score that much stuff, but it's a blast. We plan it out and we've got things circled and we've got them stacked in order. We know what sequence we're going to and at 4 a.m., out the door we go. And it culminates with a great breakfast and it's just great and usually my truck has some things in it anyway that, I, that we bought. And it's cool because somebody can stand in the line while the other person runs over there and gets that special deal and we're just having a blast. It's no fun alone. That's no fun alone. In fact, if I have to go by myself, I'm not going to go. Isn't that sad? <laughs> Probably the smartest thing I could ever do. But anyway, but you don't go alone. Second thing is this. It makes it great because our stories are great because of the stories they are with others, aren't they? The things and the people of whom we love and who matter. And so we don't go alone. And this is the greatest of all promises that Christ gives us. We know these words very familiar. Jesus says, go and make disciples. The command is make disciples. So wherever you go, wherever you go, whenever you go, however you go, make disciples. Of all people, baptizing them in the name, right? In the name, triune name. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then we often stop there and we should always say the next line. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. You never go alone. If it's your story and his story, you'll never be alone. Third thing is this. You know this story about Moses. So this is the third, the third promise in us telling our story. Moses is great, isn't it? Because God comes to Moses in a burning bush, and it's at Mount Sinai. It's Mount Horeb, you know, the mountain of God. And here's this burning bush, and God says to Moses, hey, take off your sandals, holy ground. He says, and Moses is kind of like, I wonder what's going on. God says, I've heard the cries of my people. My heart's breaking for my people. They're being oppressed by the Egyptians, and I want to bring them out. I need you to go tell them. And Moses is like, right off the bat, uh, no. <laughs> you know there's a warrant out for my arrest? And God says, well, no, I, I'll give you power. In fact, here, well, I, I'll paraphrase it, but he says, I'll give you power. Moses is like, uh, I don't think so. I don't even know your name. God says, okay, I'll give you my name. Yahweh, there you go. How about that? Uh, what if they don't believe me? He goes, hold out your hand. Put it in. He's got leprosy. Put it in your shirt and take it out. Whoa. Uh, he says, you know, they're just going to reject me. And he goes, well, I'll go with you. Well, I don't talk no good. And he goes, well, I'll, um, God says, I'll, be, I'll give you words. They'll be my words. Moses goes, well. 
could you just send somebody else? <laughs> right? And God goes, knock it off. And then says, God's anger burned against Moses, right? That's bad line, by the way. You don't ever want that line on you, right? <laughs> God's anger burned against him. And he goes, just go. I'll send Aaron with you, okay? So here's the promises. If God's going to ask you to tell his story, tell your story, he's, here's the promises. God says, I'll give you a sign. He says, it's not just anybody going with you. I am God. I'm the one calling you. He says, I care. This is driven by my love for my people because I've heard the cries of my people. Let me say this, folks. You know why we share the story of Jesus Christ? You know why we share it? Not because it's some obligatory thing that Christians all have to do at some point in their life and check that box off. I have to go on a mission trip. I have to go to an evangelism seminar. Okay, I did it. No. It's because God has heard the cries of His people. Folks, seriously. There are people crying out and rare, often not crying out to God. And God hears them. And God's heart breaks. And so He has already come and paid the price, caused the healing, poured out His blood. They were saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God has heard the cry. That's why. If you hear the cries of His people, then we tell the people of God's love. And so God continued, and that's what God is trying to tell Moses here. Stop your belly aching and stop your excuses. I know you could just keep coming up with excuses. We're good at it, aren't we? Good at it. I can rationalize anything, trust me. It's like that guy in uh, my big fat Greek wedding. Everything fixes, everything's Greek. Right? I can do that. I can tell you why we, can't, why we don't have to go out and evangelize. He says, I'll go with you. He says, when you go, you'll worship. I'll give you my personal name. I'll give you my power. My words will be your words. And then in the end, okay, fine, I'll send Aaron with you. Those are all the promises God makes to us when he asks us to tell the story. Fourth thing. So, uh, growing up in New York, I, I didn't do a lot of fishing. I learned to fish at Boy Scout camp with like a little Zebco. And we caught bluegill. It was great. Loved it. I didn't know any better. I'm from, I'm from Queens. So I'm fishing. And then I met Teresa's daddy. And he's awesome. I miss him so much. And he had a boat. And we'd go out. We spent hours and hours and hours in the boat in northern Idaho. And I learned to catch. It was awesome for me. Crappie. <laughs> what did I know? We'd catch 50 of them at a time. It was sweet. And then her brother-in-law says to me, hey, there's... You know what other fish are in there? Northern pike. Ooh, what's a northern pike? I caught one 46 inches once. 46 inches. Yeah. And then another brother-in-law said, you know what else they got in there? Largemouth bass. I never caught a largemouth bass. Let's catch bass. So now all of a sudden I'm catching four and five pound largemouth bass. I'm having a blast. Then, I, I, then people say to me, you live in Idaho, you idiot. What are you catching those fish for? Catch some beautiful native cutthroat. And so Bobby takes me up, you know, to uh, Iron Bog Lake and the little lake up above it. And I'm catching this cutthroat. It's like a huge muscle on the end of my line. I'm like, I'm in heaven. I keep, I'm elevating my game. 
But, you know, I was in Portland, and I made a trip back there, and a guy said, you're just catching those fish? He says, let's go to the mouth of the Columbia. We'll catch you some real fish. So you catch salmon. Then I'm up in Alaska this summer, and a guy says, thems ain't real fish. And he's telling me stories about bringing up a halibut as big as a picnic table, right? You know, you, that's a pretty cool journey for me, to have made that journey from bluegill, right? From bluegill all the way up to some of these things which are, I mean, I wish I had kept that 46-inch northern and put that sucker in. I stuffed that one. But, you know, if you're graduating, and you can just see Jesus, because there's lots of fishing stories, aren't there? In fact, Jesus uses the context of them fishing, and in fact, a miraculous catch of fish, in which Jesus says, I'm going to ask you to follow me, because you ain't seen nothing yet. You thought catching bluegill was fun? And it was. You thought catching crappie was fun? Because it's great eating. Then you caught some walleye, and then you caught some bass, and then you caught northern, and you caught salmon. You ain't seen nothing yet. We're called to a high and holy purpose. That's the fourth point. Jesus says, you've been catching fish, and you're good at it. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Every one of us has a high and holy purpose that in the telling of our story, someone may come to know life forever. Someone may come to know healing today and life forever. Last thing, last thing. And, and this one is cool because, you know, this is a story which I've talked to you about many times uh, where Jesus reinstates Peter. Jim mentioned it. Thank you. That was a great intro to the, to the forgiveness of sins because Peter's, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, probably nervous as a cat. We have nothing recorded of from the time he denies Jesus to a, a reconciling conversation with Jesus. So all you can imagine with Peter, he was, in, he was the head of the disciples. He was the lead guy. He had it arrogantly and pridefully boasted that he would die for Jesus, never abandon him. And then he can't even stay awake for an hour of prayer. He, deny, he, he runs away in the garden, and he denies even knowing his Savior. And we have no conversation, and here it is. Jesus essentially says, Peter, we should talk. And I could just see, you know that when you hear it, and your stomach just sinks, right? I had a, what a thing. I was the son of God, and he had chosen me to lead the group. And now I have forfeited and lost. I have lost any, any hope, any claim I could have had to that, right? Don't you think? Do you think I'm close? And Jesus starts off because it's a love story. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you truly love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my flock. And then that third time, and it grieves Peter, right? Simon, do you love me? Do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things. Feed my sheep. And here's the point of this. This is the fifth thing in these things of telling your story. It has impact because it's a love story. Because that's the story of Jesus with Peter. I'm not sending you out, Peter, because you were so good at fishing. I'm not sending you out because you're so articulate. I'm not sending out even because you're willing. I'm sending you out because I love you. 
and you've been healed like nobody else has been healed and restored like no one else has been restored. So your story is going to mean something because it's my story and you and it's a love story. And so that's, to me, this is what this is about. Not evangelism or witnessing or mission work. It's about telling the story, your story, his story, in these ways. You know, I went and saw a movie. I, I got to see it on, for free on the plane because they have a movie out about the life of J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, Lord of the Rings author. And, you know, you would think I would, like, run to that movie, right? No, they're boring. It's a good movie, don't get me wrong. Even, but even for a geek like me, a, a Tolkien geek, and even the C.S. Lewis movies, I find them dull. When they tell me the story of C.S. Lewis's life, it's okay, there are high points, and it's kind of cool, it's okay. It ain't Star Wars, okay? But I'll tell you what, the stories those guys tell capture my heart. Because you know what? They're telling their story because it's his story. His story comes out in the stories they tell. This is my great encouragement to you. He's already telling his story in your life. He's already spoken his story into your life. And so when we tell the story, it's always his story and to his glory. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks for the journey we've been on, being and forgiving and serving and giving and now going and telling. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken your story into our life, words of grace and hope and reconciliation. Lord, continue to grow our faith in such a way to know that we never go alone, that your words are already in us, that you will never forsake us, and that you have already spoken the words of grace ahead of us. And so, Lord, we thank you for the healing you've given us. May it be reflected in our lives. To the praise and honor of your name. Amen. Hey everyone, two quick things. Next Sunday, October 20th, is Celebration Sunday. We are celebrating the end of the Red Letter Challenge, the 40 days doing and reading Jesus' words, the red letters in the Bible. We will be having a potluck after church on Sunday, so please bring a main dish and a side dish or dessert to share. Also, following that is Halloween on October 31st from 4 to 6 p.m. We are having our annual Trunk or Treat. This year we are pairing with the school to host a chili feed. Please register your trunk as soon as possible so that we can make sure to have enough candy and to reserve your spot. If you have any questions, please contact the church office.